Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Technically, there's no measurement of time, but just to put it into perspective, one second of eternity will be worth one entire lifetime of suffering in this world. Simply put, the glory that awaits is not even to be compared with the suffering of this life. It's going to be worth it. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. While many of us become rather uncomfortable at the thought or idea of suffering, Scripture teaches us that it's one of the best ways to grow in our understanding of Christ. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reminds us that while some of our sufferings are absolutely unbearable, they have no comparison to the glory that awaits us in eternity. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 3 as he begins his message, The Purpose of Suffering. Philippians chapter 3, and we are still in verses 10 and 11. So, The Apostle Paul, actually it's quite stunning, says, verse 10, by the Spirit, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. And so, verse 11, somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Would you pray with me and we'll ask God to bless our understanding. So last week we began a two-part series on the purpose of suffering. One of the reasons we're doing two parts on two verses over two weeks is that Paul makes a rather astonishing claim concerning our participating in Christ's sufferings. It's admittedly, and I think you will agree, not a topic that we really like to talk about. It's certainly not a a topic that pastors like to teach on. Uh, The problem is when you teach the Bible expositionally, book by book and chapter by chapter and verse by verse, you can't really get away with skipping over verses like this, which, believe you me, I would have loved to skip over a sermon on suffering. And the good news is for you that this will be the last sermon that you'll have to suffer through on suffering. Until, of course, we're at another place in God's Word dealing with suffering, and then we're going to have to deal with it again. But again, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this in two parts is because of what the Apostle Paul says here in these two verses, specifically that of knowing the power of Christ's resurrection and how it comes by way of the fellowship of his sufferings. This is the Apostle Paul we're talking about. Are you as 
taken back as I am by the Apostle Paul saying that he wants to know Christ? I mean, if there was ever a man that knew Christ, wouldn't it be the Apostle Paul? And yet he says he's striving to attain to this. And he knows there's no shortcut. He wants to know Christ, and he wants to know the power of Christ's resurrection. But how's he going to get there? Oh, by way of suffering. He echoes this actually in Romans 8, that fabulous chapter in God's Word, Romans 8. Let me read verses 16 through 18. He says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If, listen, we share, participate, if you prefer, in His sufferings, why? In order that we may also share, participate, if you prefer, in His glory, His power and His glory, if you will. And then he says this, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. This again is the Apostle Paul that we're talking about. And the reason I say that again is because if anyone has earned the right to speak into the life of God's people concerning the sufferings, it's the Apostle Paul. I would venture to say that there's not a one of us here that would have survived all that the Apostle Paul had went through. In 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, I want to read verses 16 through 18. He says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Oh, how easy it is, how prone we are to become discouraged and lose heart and faint in the face of difficulty and pain and suffering. But Paul says we don't lose heart, and he's about to tell us how that's possible and why it is that we don't have to lose heart. Listen, he says, though outwardly we are wasting away. (laughs) Listen, this verse of Scripture is fulfilled every morning when I look at my face in the mirror. We are outwardly, as some of your translations render it, decaying (laughs) day by day. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. And then he says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes 
not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I think about Isaiah, who by the Spirit writes that the one whose mind is stayed on him is the one whom God will keep in perfect peace, regardless of, in spite of what's going on all around them. Their whole world can be falling apart. Their marriage can be falling apart. Their family can be falling apart. But we don't fix our eyes on those things that are seen. Rather, we fix our eyes on that which is unseen. Why? Because what is unseen, the glory that awaits, it's not even worthy to be on the same level of comparison with the sufferings that we face. This last week, I was thinking about this. In fact, it's really been the better part of a year now that the Lord has been ministering to me concerning this truth. It's a life-changing truth. It's a life lesson, and it's one for which I have been the beneficiary of greatly in the midst of so much pressure and stress and difficulty and pain and suffering and trials, and the list goes on and on and on. It's basically this. One second of life in heaven will be worth infinitely more than one life of suffering on earth. Let me say the same thing in a different way. You can't measure eternity because we're going to be outside of the time continuum for all of eternity. So technically there's no measurement of time, but just to put it into perspective, one second of eternity will be worth one entire lifetime of suffering in this world. Simply put, the glory that awaits is not even to be compared with the suffering of this life. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. The difficulty that you are facing, that trial that you brought with you to church this morning that is weighing so heavenly on you, not even a consideration. I, please, don't misunderstand me. It's not that I want to be dismissive of it. I just want to be more discerning concerning it. See, this is what the enemy does, and he's very good at it. He gets us every time. He gets us focused on the problem, and then he starts trying to get us to listen to what he says is going to happen because of that problem. And, and here's the problem with that problem. 
We listen to him and we don't listen to the Lord. Here we are in this situation and it's very difficult, it is very painful, and it is very hard. And it looks really impossible. And the enemy is right there going, wow, how are you going to get out of this one? How's God going to work this for good? This is really bad. And we start listening to that, and we start believing that. And here's the Lord over here going, are you going to listen to Him and not listen to me? You're going to believe Him and not believe me? That's what we're saying, right? See, Satan is all about getting us to stay our minds on earth and the things of this world. Because when we affix our eyes on the temporal, that which is seen in this world, we cannot be fixing our eyes, staying our mind on the things of heaven. Would you agree that were it not for our suffering here on earth, we wouldn't long for the glory of heaven? Isn't it the difficulties that we face, the trials that we encounter, that actually take our eyes off this fallen temporal world, loosen our grip on this world and the things of this world. I think of that hymn of old, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Oh, look full into His wonderful face. When we do, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. To me, this is one of the things that I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord. It's that the sooner that I understand the paradox of my Christian faith, the better. By that I mean, It's a paradoxical faith. The way up is the way down. He exalts the humble. He humbles the exalted. Life comes from death. Resurrection power comes from crucifixion suffering. And herein lies the dilemma, doesn't it? The problem is, we're living for ourselves, And for that reason, we don't want to pick up our cross and die to ourselves. And this is why it is, and and please listen, this is why it is that God may deem it necessary to allow suffering to bring us to the end of ourselves so we humble ourselves and die to ourselves. Jesus said it this way, if you want to be my disciple. I want to be your disciple, Jesus. 
If you want to follow me, I want to follow you, Jesus, then you're going to have to pick up your cross, and you're going to have to die to yourself, because unless and until you do, you cannot be my disciple, and you cannot follow me. Here's a question. Isn't it when, not if, when adversity strikes and suffering ensues that God gets our attention? Isn't that what it takes? Because when things are going well, let's be honest, God doesn't have our undivided attention. What if God wants to show us something, but He can't? because we're too busy running to and fro. How's he going to stop us, or at least, at best, slow us even? Oh, thankfully he knows how. (laughs) Boy, does he. (laughs) He allows adversity to strike. Now he's got my attention. Now that he's got my attention... He wants to show me something. He wants to teach me something that I would not have otherwise seen or learned had it not been for the pain and the suffering that came when the adversity had struck. Isn't it true that absent the affliction and suffering, we're not as likely to seek the Lord? and draw near to the Lord. And as James says, when we draw near to the Lord, He in turn will draw near to us. But here's the problem. He'll never force Himself on us. He's always with us. Behold, He will never leave you or forsake you, but don't we forsake Him? Don't we become distant from Him? I mentioned this last week, I'll mention it again, because I think it's apropos in the context of what we're going to see today. But I I never imagined God being cruel or even punitive in allowing the adversity to strike to get my attention. Rather, I imagine God loving me so much and missing me so much that He'll allow something in my life so that He can have me all to Himself. It's in those times when we are so broken, so contrite, that we're the closest to Him and Him to us. He's close to the brokenhearted. You know, You don't probably have to think too far back in your own life to that time when you were just at rock bottom. I mean, it was a very dark time in your life. The trial was so great. The suffering so real. Was it not also a time of a fond memory with Him being so close to you during that time? I think it was Corey Tin Boom who 
said that you'll never know Jesus is all you have, all you need until Jesus is all you have. Sorry, I completely botched that, didn't I? (laughs) You get the point. You'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Friends have forsaken you. Man has disappointed you. You've been on the receiving end of a betrayal, betrayal of trust, and you're so hurt and so wounded, so broken, and yet He is there. Could it be that He allowed it for that reason? I think of David in Psalm 119, the longest chapter really in all the Bible. Of course, the longest psalm in the book of Psalms. And by the way, on Thursday nights we're going through the book of Psalms. And Lord willing, this Thursday we're going to be in Psalm 83, for those of you who know that particular psalm. And uh, actually Psalm 78 was the second longest psalm, and we spent an entire Thursday night Bible study on just that one psalm. I guess what I'm saying is it is a very rich time in God's Word studying through this amazing book of Psalms. I can't wait till we get to Psalm 119. At this rate, it's probably going to be about a year, but we'll get there to Psalm 119. We'll probably spend a whole year in just Psalm 119 too. I don't know. But in Psalm 119, verse 67, listen to what David said. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. A few verses later, in verse 71, he says this. He takes it further. Listen to this, verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Why? Because I may learn your statutes. In other words, God will bring the affliction. He will allow the suffering so that we draw near to Him, so that He has our attention, so that He has us all to Himself, because He wants to show us something. Imagine it like this. Hey, come here. I want to show you something. Okay. I want to teach you something. You need to come with me. And the only way I could get you to come with me, turn to me, draw near to me, is to allow the suffering. Thanks for tuning in today to In Spirit and Truth. Join us next time to continue studying the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, along with Pastor J.D. You'll learn how modeling your life after Jesus will change how you interact with people around you and why it's important to show the world the love and grace of Christ. As His light shines through you, people will begin to wonder why, and it just might lead to conversations that can change a life forever. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so come be part of our social media community. 
follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. If you're in the area, you're invited to come join us in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe for our weekly worship services. We get together every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth time of Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church family is an incredible asset in your faith experience, as well as a place where you can be a blessing to others. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for joining us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to you.